0: Hello everyone, this is Bola from CleverGirlFinance.com and welcome to a brand new episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. So have you ever looked at your finances from a scientific perspective? Well, my guest today is Dr. Maria James and she's the founder of PocketOfMoney.com. Not only is she a real-life scientist, you're going to hear us talk about her amazing career on this episode, but she is also a money scientist and she provides financial advice to professionals and entrepreneurs. And in this episode, we dig into how you can look at your finances from a scientific perspective and Maria also shares her personal money story with us. We talked about emotions and money, how you can overcome financial challenges and key things that we as women need to be doing to secure our financial success. But before we jump into today's episode, I would love for you to subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher. You can also listen to episodes on YouTube on the Clever Girl Finance channel. Yes, there is a Clever Girl Finance channel on YouTube. And please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend about it. Also, head over to my website at clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there as well to get access to an awesome resource library, to join the private Clever Girl Finance Facebook group, and to get money tips from me each week. So let's get into today's episode with Dr. Maria. And apologies if I sound a little low on this episode. We recorded it late at night and I had just put my kids to bed and I didn't want them to come in interrupting the episode, so I tried to keep my voice to a minimal tone. It is still a great episode regardless, so enjoy listening. So, hey, Maria, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you on. Hi, thanks for having me. So please introduce yourself. My listeners want to learn who you are, um, more about you.
1: Sure. My tag is The Money Scientist, and basically that means I help busy professionals and entrepreneurs uh, keep more money in their pocket and build wealth. Um, Basically, I want more families and communities to create legacies of wealth and i do that through pocket of money um as well as wise financial fitness
0: i love that and i think i initially met you on instagram from your instagram feed i think the first time i encountered you and i just love the message that you share through social media i love the whole idea of you being a money scientist (laughs) (laughs) i think that's pretty awesome thank you so do you mind sharing your personal story with us how did you start pocket of money and where were you, you know, in your life when you started it and what happened before? Well, I've
1: always been interested in finance and business. Um, so I co-founded a nonprofit called heal On to heal a nation, um, with my sister and a friend while I was in college. Um, it was the brainchild of my older sister. And so I naturally became the money person AKA the director of finance um, (laughs) for the nonprofit. Um, So learned a lot about nonprofit finance that I could add to my personal finance um, background and information that I'd learned and business finance in general. And I kept that role through college and grad school. And mind you, I was in grad school for science. Like my degree is in cellular molecular medicine.
0: Oh (laughs) my God, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That sounds really, really important.
1: (laughs) It's a mouthful, but what that means, basically, so real quick, what I did for grad school was basically um, did research on HIV. So figuring out if women who were recently infected, um, Mm -hmm. they were more likely to pass on the infection, the virus, to their infants, and if those infants did worse. So that's what I was studying um, in school, as well as Figuring out if we could come up with better tests to determine who was recently infected versus not because the recently infected people drive the, um, epidemic. Oh, wow.
0: So. That's, I, I knew it was important. I knew it. That's really <laughs> impressive. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I was
1: in school for science and of course I still did finance as well. So I call it the money lab. Um, so I knew after graduate school that I did not want to continue to be at the bench. Like I was, you know, a scientist with the white lab coat and the gloves and, you know, over bench Mm -hmm. (laughs) doing experiments. Um, And I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, I had set out to make an impact in the HIV field. And um, I'd already had six publications, review journals by the time I left. So I felt like I had I, to do. And um, I felt like it was okay for me to be able to leave that field. Um, I did some soul searching after I graduated to figure out what it is that I really wanted to do. Um, And so that's how I started Pocket of Money. I knew that empowerment, women empowerment, was still very important to me. It was still a passion of mine. And financial empowerment was also a passion of mine. And I wanted to be able to pursue that aspect of it. Um, I knew so many people in our community needed that financial empowerment. And so that's how I started Pocket of Money. I basically took the skills that I learned in the lab and learned by studying science and applied that to money. Um, and it worked well for me. And people kept asking me, like, how? We on the same stipend. How are you doing what you're
0: doing? <laughs> so that's how I started Pocket of Money. So would you say that passion came from the way you were raised or just your experiences growing up with money? Yeah, i um,
1: the funny thing is my dad always says that um, I was a miser. He called me a miser when I was <laughs> a kid. <laughs> he may have a child being called a miser. But uh, he likes to tell this story where, uh, so um, in elementary school, I don't know if you had to do it, but we had to do, um, write out fire escape plans. And if you did your fire escape plan as, if there was a fire, what your family would do. And you turn that into a teacher, you got like this little coupon to get like a burger and fry at, um, I can't remember if it was McDonald's or Wendy's, you know, oh. one of those. Yeah. One of those, That's like, pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, everybody did it. And, um, so then we would go to redeem it. And I asked them for a cup of water and I don't remember this, but this is what my dad said I did. I asked them for a cup of water and, they was like, oh, well, the cup is extra. So then I said, well, how much is it for the, the cup? And they told me something like 10 cents or something. And apparently, I told the guy, like, what? Well, you can keep the cup. I can get such and such and such <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the corner store for that. <laughs> 10
0: cents. But yeah.
1: And yeah, so I've always been um, very money conscious. But I also grew up with... um my especially my mom was a great saver. So she really put that into my head about um, saving money and what you do with money. Um, I would say one of my earliest memories was playing with my piggy bank. And that's the other thing. We always had piggy banks. And we knew that money went in your piggy bank. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being an obnoxious little kid, putting the money in one by one, then dumping it all out over and over <laughs> and over and over again. And uh, my mom's like, what are you doing? She's like, you're supposed to put the money in there and let it grow. And then once you get a lot of money, then you can get something. And that really stuck with me. I'm like, yeah, you're supposed to save money. Um, So it's a lot of little experiences um, that I was very fortunate to have that my parents gave me um, that really made me money conscious and, and started my journey of learning more.
0: That's really awesome. And I like that you said that, you know, you applied the science of what you did you applied you know scientific methods to money the way you teach it because when you detach emotion you know a lot of us as human beings we get emotional about money you know emotion drives um a lot of the way we behave with our money you know and there's i I think it's a really complex topic when you if you actually stop and think about how emotion relates to money and how money relates to emotion but if you can get to a point where you are objective about your money and where you stand, whether it's in a good place or a bad place or a place in transition, um, and you remove the emotion, you put it aside, you know, the things you have to do in a sense are scientific. It's, you know, it's a a structured step-by-step process similar to, I guess, how you would have run your tests in the lab everything you needed to do to come out with your, you know, your observations and then whatever other metrics you guys measure. So it's I, I like that you said that because it, it makes total sense
1: yeah. in science, you have a protocol. You know, you establish a protocol in order to run your experiment, and then you get the data, you analyze the data, and that comes up with more questions, usually. You don't just answer a question, it comes up with more questions, and you're able to continue tweaking. And I agree with you that's completely what you do with your with your money. You know it the why stands for wealth is simple to elevate because the protocol, to build wealth, it's the same for everyone. Yeah. Now how you implement that protocol varies greatly but the the actual protocol is the same so I love how you said you detach from the emotion because money can be emotional because it's not just about the paper like the paper is just a tool well yeah. I mean we're in the digital age now so I guess the card what have you <laughs> is, is just a tool am I telling my age? hold on so <laughs> It's like The it's car is just the tool, you know, the app, whatever you're using to, you know, move the money around is just the tool, but money gets emotional because it's, it's the, the, what we're able to do with the money is the reason you're trying to get more money
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's the experiences that you can have. And all of that is tied to emotion, but the actual protocol, there's, there's no emotion there and it's simple. It's the same for everyone. And it's about how you can implement it in your situation
0: absolutely i love that guys if you're listening she just everything you just said maria is just like (laughs) yeah because i think the emotional aspect of money is just it's it's almost like the stumbling block in the road for many many people it's you know the feeling around doing the difficult things to get out of debt or doing the difficult things to save money the delayed gratification the sacrifice it's you know what other people think of you it's the status associated with money there's so many complexities to emotion and money and A lot of times, human beings get hung up in that whole, you know, letting emotion take over what people are going to think, what they want to do, what they don't want to do, what they think they can do, what they think they cannot do, all of these things. And like you said, it's protocol. It's objectively looking at it and saying, okay, what do I need to do? And then figuring out how to implement that protocol to your own specific situation. So that's awesome. Um, Oh my God, money scientists, you're breaking it down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. <laughs> so, can you tell that money's my favorite topic <laughs> right i was just thinking the same thing as that like you can tell we're some money nerds we're like yes <laughs> okay so let's kind of talk about you a little bit more and when you think about you know your life and your journey with money to to date what would you say have been your biggest challenges you know as a human being as a scientist. And what would you say have been your biggest successes around your finances?
1: Um, I would say one of the major challenges um, or lessons that I learned in graduate school, uh, my mentor told me it's called research for a reason. Mm -hmm. You don't do it once and then you get perfect results, you get perfect data and you move on you have to constantly tweak. You have to constantly change little things. You got to optimize the protocol. And that was something where I was like, Oh, duh.
0: Research.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right.
0: Research. (laughs) Never
1: made that connection. I was like, and then that allowed me to be a little bit more comfortable with my failures. Um, I'm still a little bit of a perfectionist, but I got more comfortable with, with failures. Cause I'm like, okay, this is not what I was expecting, but I'm just going to, it's research. So now I need to figure out what went wrong or what I need to optimize. And we're going to do it again. And that was also a major piece for me to apply to uh, finances. So when I figured out that lesson and applied it to finances, I mean the whole game changed. I was a good saver. I told you about those lessons, so I was a good saver mm-hmm. and it goes way beyond saving. So being able to figure out and optimize my money strategy so that I'm getting the results that I want and realizing I have to keep doing it over and over and keep yes. optimizing. Mm-hmm. So um that was something that a big lesson that I learned and it was a big challenge for me because I I was a bit of a perfectionist where I was like but no I did the research I made the plan like it should go according to plan what's the problem
0: (laughs) you sound just like me like I had to get comfortable with failure I had to get comfortable with knowing that every time I set a plan for my finances it may not always be perfect Hmm. and I'm such a perfectionist to the point where my bank account has to be rounded up (laughs) <laughs> i've never heard I can, that one before i, can, I, can, I cannot have like 2.35 cents i don't do the cents it has to be rounded up to, to the nearest dollar like it bothers me so much <laughs> if i and i can't control that with my investments because you know it's whatever the market is doing but with like my cash savings i have to if it's like 0. 0.98 cents i'm gonna find two cents to put in that account it has to be like <laughs>
1: Uh, yes, I have never heard that <laughs> before, but I guess it helps you save more.
0: <laughs> I guess it helps me say, but you know, I, I totally agree with you on the research because, you know, I actually had someone tell me because I talk a lot about books I read, like, why do you read so many finance books? Don't you already know this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I know this stuff, but it's a refresher. And every time I read a money book from somebody else's perspective, and I get to see you know their point of view or what it is they're trying to convey it gives it gets my head moving I may know this but it gives me the opportunity to go back and look over my plans and say okay what do I need to tweak and also the research the going back and looking over your plans all the time is really critical because you know the Bola that was planning at 24 is different from the ball that's planning at age 30 <coughs> 30 something. <laughs> you know, your life situations change. I got married, I had kids, you bought a house, you know, I started a business, all these different things, and so you cannot use the mental plan that you had 10 years ago or 5 years ago or sometimes even a year ago to continue to be your you can't use it as your basis mm-hmm. for the, for your for your long term. So that's that's really awesome. Whoever your mentor is, thank you. whoever that mentor was was. yeah
1: (laughs) really good mentor uh yeah so that was definitely um a big challenge for me and a a big lesson which they usually go hand in hand challenges and lessons Mm -hmm. um i would say another challenge was probably definitely um, deciding to make the switch uh, from science to focusing solely on empowerment and financial and, and women empowerment, and as well as deciding to start my own business, I had to go through a whole soul searching epidemic uh, journey <laughs> um, in order to be like, no, I'm I'm gonna do this. And you know, I'm Caribbean, so my mother was like, um, excuse me, so what about science and medicine? What you doing? <laughs> But what, what what are you doing? I was like, no, um, um, no, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> and I think for the first like two years, she was like, so you know, the longer you stay out, the harder it's gonna be to go back. And I was like, but but I'm not going. I'm not going back. Yeah, it's, it's okay. <laughs> um, so uh, that that was a big big challenge figuring out how I want to show up in the world. Really doing that deep work to say what do I want to put forth in the world? How do I want to show up? Um, that, that took a, a lot. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, making big transitions like that are, they're scary. Um, and also they impact your finances, you know, because you're, you you kind of know what to expect when you're in this space when you're on this career path and then one day you wake up and you're like you know what I want to do something that matters mm-hmm. <laughs> i want yeah. to have an impact on the world and when you are in the early stages of you know making that transition you're getting out of your comfort zone you're losing the things that you're you're typically used to getting you know and in a sense it impacts your your finances because you're starting you're leaving somewhere where you're kind of like advanced to start at the beginning somewhere else.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly.
0: I've definitely Mm -hmm. felt that way.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hand raised, both hand raised up here.
0: (laughs) My pay cut starting my business, but I think it's worth it. I think I mean, I'm sure you get a huge amount of satisfaction from what you're doing, just knowing that you're helping people and you're making a difference in their lives. That is, I mean, it's a challenge, but it's also a blessing and it's also getting you to that place where you're feeling like this is what I was meant to do. This is, this feels like me, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. That I would count that as one of my biggest successes. The (laughs) challenge rolled into the success was really figuring out how I wanted to empower people around finances, and you know, figuring out something that would not only fit the lifestyle that I wanted, but would still be very impactful for other people. And I love it when you know previous clients come and say, "Hey, my score, my credit score is now this, because I'm still doing what you told me to do." Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and hey, I now have this amount saved in my emergency fund, because I'm still on the plan. And I'm like, yes, girl, keep going. <laughs>
0: What do you think are some of the issues in your experience you know just with your clients with the people that you work with what do you find are some of the major issues that are holding them back from becoming successful because like you said at the beginning you know there's a scientific approach to this it's you know you can put it in Google and you get the steps of everything you need to do to be able to save a million dollars to be able to save ten billion dollars all of the instructions are there but there is always something that comes in the way of people and what they're trying to achieve you know it comes in the way of people and their success and so in what your experience what do you think are the biggest issues that hold women back from being successful from accomplishing their goals from doing like even the simple things like paying off debt like you know making the debt payments paying more than the minimum saving you know things like that
1: yeah, I would say that one it is and this is in a slightly older generation so a little older than us um would be the spouse handling all of the finances. Mm-hmm. Um I literally had a woman tell me who I mean she's in her 40s so you know it's not like you know we think of like generations gone past but she's in her 40s and she says she told me straight up like I don't know any of the financial passwords the accounts any of those things She's like my husband handles um all of that uh, and like I trust him to let me know what's what's happening and what's going on and I was like Root. um <laughs> um hold on <laughs> wow it's great that you have a loving and wonderful marriage and that's awesome I need you to be in on that financial conversation and um the facts just break down that women outlive their spouses, usually. Women outlive men. If you're married to a man, you, you're going to likely outlive him. That's what the statistics say. And so you're going to have to know how to handle those finances when it comes down to you. And marriage, what is it, it's still 50%, I think, ends in divorce? Yeah, so,
0: 50%, probably higher, maybe like 51 <laughs>
1: So the, at some point, you may have to handle the finances and you should know what's happening, what's going on. Now, I hope none of that happens, but it would still be great for you to know um, what's happening. You're part of the household and you should know what's happening with the finances. So that would be one for anyone who is in that scenario. Just start by having the conversation. Start sitting down, having monthly conversations with your spouse as to you know just what's happening. And also meet the financial advisor. Um, I read an article that blew me away. Um, a woman who was in her 80s got bamboozled by this guy. And because she never, never met with a financial advisor, only the husband had, she basically uh, didn't trust him. She trusted the bamboozler who um, got her out of $800,000 something dollars, oh And he God. told her, I would invest it for you. So she pulled that away from the financial advisor cashed it out and gave it to him to invest so mm-hmm. know what's going on meet the people the experts that's handling your money so you have that trust and confidence um in them for the younger group the millennials so you know our age and a little younger you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm a millennial it's...
1: maria i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah we're both millennials you know <laughs> <laughs> what I find it's it's more fear of the numbers where they're like, look, I'm saddled with all of this student loan debt. I got all this going on. Like I know where my money is going and basically I don't have none. Um, so really sit down and it's just numbers. You're spending the money anyway. You're just looking at where you're spending it. Mm-hmm. So really sit down, look over those numbers, look at that budget and figure out where the money is going. And then remember how we kept saying optimize it? Just optimize, 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 tweak it. And just keep working on it. I mean, the money's going out anyway. Figure out how to put more of it towards your financial goals.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So those are two major issues that I find. And then also, um, even when somebody is dead set on doing better with their finances, there can be a lot of negative chatter. So there's a lot of negative inner chatter, and then there's a lot of negative chatter coming from other people who may think they're trying to help you. Find yourself a supportive network. Find people that have like-minded goals. If you're trying to get out of debt, if you're trying to save more money, if you're trying to get started in investments, find a supportive network of people who understand what you're trying to do. And when you say, hey, actually, my budget's really tight. I'm trying to do this. They're not looking at you with two heads, being like, oh, so you you saying I'm not worth it? (laughs) You saying I'm not worth this $30 that we're going to go out and eat? It's
0: only $30, girl. (laughs) Right. are <laughs> right, you being so
1: cheap? <laughs> exactly. When all of that chatter starts, you know, have a supportive network of people who understand what you're trying to do and the mission that you're on. And they're also on a journey of their own um, with like-minded goals that can be supportive. Like, girl, my sister said that to me the other day. It's all right. But when we have, you know, somebody who can, can uplift you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense, you know, what, everything you just said, I come from a, a background that was very traditional. My dad was the breadwinner. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. He managed all the finances. Uh, my mom didn't know about a lot of the investments that were going on. She didn't know, you know, what was in the bank accounts you know, in the early stages. She just was, you know, here's your money for shopping. Here's your money for food. Here's your money for the kids. And she was good with that until one day she wasn't when she started to see things that were happening with her friends that she just couldn't... Um, She just didn't ever want to be her like, you know, the divorces and the unfortunate passing of a spouse and the wives being thrown out and just those women just not being able to land on their feet. And my mom was like, this is never going to be me. This is not going to work for me. I need to either A, know where all of our money is or B, I'm going to figure out a plan for myself and get myself together in the case I need to get the heck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she did both. My parents are still married, but you know, my mom was like so I don't think it's an excuse to say, Well, my husband manages the finances because if you're married to this person, then you can start having the conversation and sometimes that conversation can be difficult. It can be especially if you guys are used to a certain way or your significant other is used to a certain way. Like I deal with the finances or whatever. But it's about starting to have those conversations and you have to be involved. Like, you know, there's so many conversations I've had with other women about both on the plus side and on the negative side about managing finances in the marriage. The plus side being they're involved and they're able to make decisions and they're able to build wealth together. And then the negative side being they didn't know anything and they're getting divorced and now they don't know what to do. Like they don't have any money to pay for anything. Like they're stuck. So you have to be involved in the um in the conversations. And then the other thing you talked about, surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, people will, people can ruin you, and they can be people that you love, and it's not because they have bad ill intention for you. It's just because they're not in that same space of what you're trying to accomplish. And recently, someone gave me a really awesome analogy of you know something that they were experiencing, and you know they were like, if you are trying to build a successful marriage, right? you're trying to figure out how to make your marriage last 10 years 20 years you guys want to celebrate a silver anniversary or a jubilee whatever it is you're not going to ask someone who's been divorced um five times on marriage advice right or you know to sustain a long wedding a long marriage you're not going to ask someone who has never had any children advice on how you put your five kids or your three kids to bed. And it's not because they're not good people. It's not because they don't, you know, they're not, it's just that they're not in that same space as you where even if they have advice to give you, that advice they give you is going to be based on, well, I think, or, you know, I can't deal with that girl. Just get over yourself. And this is how it should be because, you know, you're stressing yourself. The advice they're going to give you is not going to be it may not be the advice that you need or the advice that can help you if that makes any sense.
1: Right, yeah, no, definitely.
0: So those are really excellent points. So given the fact that, you know, the, what you mentioned being the two biggest issues, what are the what are some corrective actions that women need to start making now? So you talked about communication, you talked about surrounding yourself with the right people, but when you break it down to a more scientific level, <laughs> <laughs> What are some specific things like, you know, for someone who's listening, who's kind of like, you know, let's say they're in debt or they think they don't make enough money and it's not going to make a difference to pay off their debt or they're trying to save to a goal or they're um, they're just trying to get to a point where they're in that happy space with their finances.
1: Yeah, I would say the very first thing is to continue to increase the financial literacy. So the same way you talked about still reading books on personal finance and getting other perspectives, um, that's what the listeners need to do as well. You know, read everything, (laughs) watch everything, listen to everything, you know, listen to more podcasts, listen to, um, you know, the YouTube videos and everything on personal finance so that you can get different, um, Get different perspectives and that you can get more and more information about all the various topics that you're going to need um, that information on to really make a comprehensive money strategy and do better in all aspects of your finances. Um, That would be one of the first things to do is, you know, make a hit list of what you're going to read, watch and listen to. The next thing I think would then be to, you know, stop getting any consumer debt. Um, and this is, I think for anyone, (laughs) whether you're trying to save more, you're trying to decrease your debt, everyone stop getting consumer debt. So don't use credit cards unless you're able to pay off the balance every month so that you aren't paying any interest on it. And you're basically just using it to get the rewards. So it's like, woohoo, points so I can fly for free and all of that. Yes. Use it for that, not to afford things. Um, another piece is to i think start investing so building wealth requires more than just saving right you have to own something and either you can build it yourself so we have those who are side hustlers or moving towards building up small businesses or you can purchase a piece of something successful that someone else is building because that's basically what investing and buying stocks and all of those things are those buzzwords that you hear right that's what that is so first establish your emergency fund then get rid of that consumer debt, and then you'll be ready to start looking at investing and, and expanding on your assets. And some people ask why they should get rid of consumer debt first. They're like, but shouldn't I just start building my wealth and start investing? Okay, so if your credit card has an interest rate of like 25%, which means it grows, your debt is growing by 25% each month, and your investments are growing by an average of 8 to 12% over a few years, the debt is growing way faster than your investments and you can't build wealth that way. So you got to knock out that consumer debt first.
0: Yep. If you um, are, if you are not earning interest, then you're paying interest. That's, exactly. That's how yes. the that cycle works.
1: Yep. I love it. And I would say that's what people can do to, to get started. And once you start really building things out and remember to also protect what you're building, um, there is this aversion, I think, to insurance because there's a lot of misunderstanding about insurance. Um, but really talk to a professional that you trust so that you can really understand what the insurance options are and the different types of insurance and how that covers different aspects of your life. And um, that way you can protect your family and yourself against financial disasters. That's all insurance is really.
0: Insurance is so critical. And almost every day I I talk to someone who doesn't believe in it, who's resisting it, who thinks it's a waste of money. But insurance is the glue that is going to keep those long-term plans you have in place. It's like, what if you something happens to your significant other and you have children think about the number of years it could take for them to recover your income that you're contributing to your home think about there's just so many so many reasons why insurance is important and then when you look at the really wealthy people who have have been able to pass on wealth through generations A portion of that transition of passing on wealth from one generation to the other is through life insurance, right? They have policies that cover them that if something happens to them, then their families are covered and they get a lump sum to continue building wealth and pass it on to future generations. So insurance is something that's definitely, definitely very critical and doesn't have to be expensive. And like you said, Maria, it's about talking to the right people. Finding the right insurance expert to talk to, kind of to kind of break down all the different options as they would fit in for your life. But basics you need to have, you know, your car insurance is mandatory. Um, So you better have that. (laughs) Right. Health insurance again, you know, I'm not a fan of going with the cheapest option uh, When it comes to health insurance just because I've had experiences where I know the cheapest option would have been more expensive in the long run Like when I had my twin babies, um, mm. I end up with a ended up with a forty five thousand dollar Hospital bill and I, I, Yep, forty five thousand dollars two babies three nights in the hospital I had to have like a procedure afterwards just whatever and luckily for me, my insurance I had, which was the better one, covered ninety percent. So we end up only having to pay forty five hundred. But but the other option I remember very clearly um, when we were picking um, the insurance, the other option would only have covered like sixty percent. Mm. So it's all about yes, it's cheaper, but in the long run, it could cost you more. So I kind of I completely hijacked your answer, but I just right. want to talk about. It. I want to talk about insurance real quick. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm no, sorry. it adds to it. It adds to it. Okay. So the other question I had for you is you are on social media and you know, when you post, you see the responses people give you in the comments. Um, you see other people on social media, not just finance experts, other people, like, you know, you see people who follow you, you see your friends and there is a lot of pressure on social media. And I will continue to talk about this pressure on social media because it exists. And I feel like there's this whole unspoken rule of perfection. Mm-hmm. about social media everybody wants to show how well they're doing. everybody wants to show what they have. and you know there's definitely a lot a heavy influence from social media on people And when people are in this space where they're trying to build wealth and just get their lives together and you know get to financially successful, it can be a lot right It can be a lot to see what quote unquote people seem to be doing. You know, because sometimes mm-hmm. you people you look at that and you're like, oh, this is their truth. So yeah, you know, that's really what she looks like. Those can't be filters. That's that's you know. So, what would you tell someone about staying grounded in this day of social media and this day of like, you know, and not just Instagram, but like even what you see on television—the whole reality phase—that it's not really reality. It's like scripted. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't even add the word reality to reality TV because it is none of it is reality. <laughs> Right. It's just it's just shot to seem like it's real but it's all fake. As far yeah. as I'm concerned. What would you tell someone it, like, you know, and have you ever even experienced social pressures? Oh
1: yeah, of course. Um you know, people play the comparison game on social media and you know, you got the creepers and the stalkers who <laughs> Just you know, That's they like funny. are constantly looking at your page and and it's just like where did you come from? I will just tell people most of what you see on social media is basically an avatar of that person. People don't and they can't share everything that is happening in their lives. So most people share when it's something that they want to show off mm-hmm. or they wanna brag about they're not sharing or posting about, you know, the things that they're not proud of or that's embarrassing or, you know, that made them sad, unhappy, whatever. Um, is their highlight reel, you know, and you can't compare your everyday life to everyone else's highlight reel. And also some people just straight up lie, Okay. It's (laughs) untruths that they're posting. Tell lies on on, Instagram. (laughs)
0: Right.
1: Like, I remember that Bow Wow challenge that... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, with the private jet. <laughs> and everyone started posting. But, I mean, it's the truth. People straight up put things that are they know not that are not true. You know, I think my sister was telling me about someone who she knows that um I think she went to high school with or something like that, that took over 200 pictures in different outfits at the same location so that she can leak them out slowly and say she was in different places. Like oh, just went on a trip here, wheels up here. Did, really? Oh, really? No. Is it that serious? So, I tell people remember to do what your money says, right? Look at the num- look at those numbers, do what your money says and just do not concern yourself with those highlight reels. You know, that's what people are posting. The highlight reels and that's also when the support network comes into play like having those people that are gonna be like yeah mm-mm. i don't know if it's true or not but so what mm-mm. you know somebody who's gonna be in your corner with you and understanding that you're really trying to make moves with those financial goals because yeah it's it's too much and if you simply cannot if you have a severe case of fomo you know the fear of missing out then um just completely delete your logins like you know how you can have it so you're always logged in like unclick that log out of everything and just do a purge like a social media purge where it's like i'm just gonna stay away for a while
0: you know what that fomo as far as i'm concerned is just a waste of your time because at the end of the day if you're really focused about what it is you're trying to accomplish you have you're there's you're not missing out on anything because the truth is that most people are not doing what it takes to build wealth and you know it's true I actually had a conversation with um, a friend of mine about you know when I put out my story and I was saving hundred k and she was like so this is what you were doing you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is what you were doing you know so a lot of people are not doing what it is they need to do to build wealth. And you, you may not know it just looking at them because they look like they have it all. But like you said, Maria, it's a highlight reel. And so if you just put your head down and know why you're, why you're here, know why it is that you want to build wealth, you're going to get to the point where you can put up a fabulous highlight reel, but then you can look in your bank account and be like, you know what? I'm good. This is not pretending. This is not any phoness or any bow wow airplane kind of behavior. <laughs> this is my right. real life. But it's just there's you're not missing out because a lot of people are lying to themselves. I see so many instances of um on social media where people steal other people's pictures. Mm -hmm. to post like it is them like they'll have like a hand in the photo this is my hand on my new car this is my hand on my new bag but it's like you know you can't really hide anything on social media any any anymore and somebody else be like oh no this is from that celebrity or that you know d-lister star that posted like six years ago
1: (laughs) it's crazy
0: (laughs) it is crazy but that's you know yeah you have to Stay focused on what it is that you're trying to do. Stay focused on your focus. And one of the things I do on social media, and I think I talked about this either on an older podcast episode or an Instagram live. And I said, you know, I'm in a space where I'm really focused on my goals and the things I want to accomplish. And I know what my weaknesses are. I know, you know, what can take me off of my aggressive path or kind of like cause me to veer off. And I'm a huge fan of designer handbags. And not the cheap kind, the really expensive kind. (laughs) And, you know, I'm not doing that right now because I have like 2017, I have some really big goals I'm trying to accomplish. And so when I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed, you know, whenever I see an unboxing and this sounds so shallow, but I'm like, you know, I don't want to see your unboxing. I'm going to block you because on your (laughs) on your popular feed. Instagram shows you all kinds of people, right? It's not all just, it's not just all your friends. And so if I'm Mm. browsing through there to just see what's happening on Instagram and I see those kind of random things, I'm like, I don't want to see this. I click those three red dots or those three dots on the corner. I'm like, see less of this. Or if I keep seeing the same person, even if I don't know you, I'm going to block you because I don't want to see your unboxing. It's Mm. it's distracting to the goals (laughs) I'm trying to achieve.
1: No but that's part of that being laser (laughs) focused so it's like it's funny but it's real so
0: it's like if you don't want to you know people are like oh I need coffee every morning I just I have to go to Starbucks then why don't you find a different route that doesn't have a Starbucks and leave your house 30 minutes early if you have to. (laughs) and it sounds crazy right but if you keep finding yourself in this space where you are being distracted and it's causing you to fall off then cut out the distraction take the long route to work you know block the people at instagram <laughs> yep yep um you know find other things to occupy your time so you're not being faced with that distraction so okay so maria what is your clever girl superpower <laughs>
1: Um, that's a good question. I would probably say, um, being able to kind of remove the confusion and simplify, um, financial literacy. So really getting that financial empowerment down into simple terms, like breaking it down into the protocols, yep. <laughs> so that people can see, you know, step by step. And um, the major project I just did that with was Wise Financial Fitness that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um really just broke it down into a specific roadmap um i think i was telling you about it uh, a little while ago where i I created an algorithm put in all your information boom this is where you at this is the level you are and go on the roadmap and start from there so um i would say that's my superpower yes
0: okay can we just rewind to like the Real quick, <laughs> you created an algorithm. How impressive is that, guys? Can you just define algorithm? Because I think there's there can be confusion about what an algorithm is. That is awesome. Like You're making me laugh. Because, <laughs> girl, you have an algorithm. <laughs> well, I
1: wanted, okay, so the reason that I even needed to create an algorithm was the fact that people are told about these different financial factors. They're like, okay, look at your credit score. Okay, um, calculate your net worth based off of these pieces. But we know that Knowledge is just one piece of it. You have to get a person to stay motivated and stay in action. And behavior is a major part of that. So I wanted to also look at a person's behavior and factor that into that financial indicator. So looking at your debt, looking at all the other financial factors and add in the behavior. So I had to create my own algorithm. So basically, I pulled the data pieces um, from everyone, from the person who's filling out. The form so that they can be part of it. And um, it goes through an analysis in the background and it spits out um, a wise financial fitness score. And so that score they then use to utilize um, the other resources in wise financial fitness to increase their financial fitness. So
0: we're going to talk about this algorithm a little bit more offline because like I want to know all about it. I don't know if I ever told you, but I'm a computer science major. I'm a tech girl. And this just kind of gets my next to money right after money. This kind of gets my heart racing. So we'll talk about it. Okay. (laughs) But in regards to the wise financial fitness, that sounds really incredible. And I'm sure the people listening want to learn more about it. So is it something that they can go to your website and access? How do they get their own score? Yeah, sure.
1: So wisefinancialfitness.com is where they can go and learn more about this membership. Um, so yes, you get your Wise Financial Fitness score that tells you um, what wealth builder level um, you currently are. And you go on to the roadmap and start going through the different modules to increase your financial literacy and using some of the other tools and resources that are um, located in Wise Financial Fitness. And they can learn all about it at wisefinancialfitness.com and also on my main website there are links pocketofmoney.com so you can also um, access um, information and links over to wisefinancialfitness from pocketofmoney.com as well
0: that's awesome and i just went on it on my phone you didn't tell me about this earlier maria but (laughs) (laughs) i found it but wise means wealth is simple to elevate how cool is that yes
1: this is awesome And you know I'm not artistic, so it took me a minute, and I was so proud of myself when I came up with that acronym.
0: (laughs) You had to move your science brain inside and get your creative brain running. Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, this is really awesome. So, guys, you guys have to check out wisefinancialfitness.com, and you're also on Instagram, right, Maria? So where can people find you on Instagram and Facebook and things like that?
1: Yes, so I'm on Instagram as well as Facebook at um, Pocket of Money LLC, and I'm on Twitter at Pocket of Money.
0: Awesome. This has been really a really awesome conversation and I just loved talking to you about the scientific side of things because you know you're very objective <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know it's sometimes it's good to hear that objective side of things it's good to understand that it's it's not always building wealth is about you but then if you separate yourself and your emotions from it this is what you can be doing and it's not complex it's not like rocket science it's not like you know some crazy statistics or like stuff that you can't figure out. Anyone can figure this stuff out. And I like how you broke things down. So thank you so much for being here, Maria. And we're going to be talking about that algorithm. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I had an awesome time and yes, we can talk about it. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoyed listening into this episode with Dr. Maria James. And if you loved what you listened to, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on stitcher and you can also listen to more episodes of the podcast on the clever finance youtube channel thank you guys so much for listening i'll be back again soon with a brand new episode